All right, we're back with another episode of Corked Up. I'm Jess Kleinschmidt. And I'm Rachel Luba. Ooh, you're doing white wine today, Mamacita. I am. I am. Well, the fun part about this is we can be real about how much of a crazy week we've both had. Probably a couple weeks, actually. And it was funny because we were like, is baseball going to happen? We were anticipating it. And now that it's here, it's kind of like, oh, all right. So that's kind of what the, what the main subject is going to be for this episode. It's baseball's back. And Rachel, tell the lovely people, I bet you my mom's listening, but she's probably drinking like a margarita because she doesn't do wine. But want to tell the people the wine word for this this episode. So our wine word for the episode is going to be testing. Yeah. And so good luck with that. Um, and we know it's that we're, it's, yeah, it was definitely Rachel's choice. I, I had no idea what we we're going to do with the wine word. It was a very last minute decision, but I liked it. It was one of those panic decisions, like when you're at Cheesecake Factory and you're lo- looking at that Bible of a menu. I but hate you end up, I do too, but like, like it's my favorite book out there right now. So that's, that's where that is. And I always order the same thing. Like why, why even look at that thing? Same. You know, same thing, but read it every time. Exactly. Um, so Rachel, like I said, we've had a crazy week, couple weeks. So I want to take a back and forth and start with you. What have you been up to in the last two weeks since from the time that you left Arizona, you drove cross cross country. What's, what's been the week for you in Rachel Lubaland? In Rachel Lubaland. I like that. Um, it, it's been a, it's been a crazy I don't even know how many days it's been. It feels like a month. Um, we we found out that baseball was coming back. Um, I think it was like in the evening, but then there were there was like 24 hours basically for the union to agree, which we all knew like, they're going to agree to this. So, you know, it was figuring out, obviously I have, Trevor has to go across country to Cincinnati he needs a place to stay there. He needs to figure out how all his stuff that he currently has in Arizona um, is going to get to Cincinnati. He also had just re-upped like a lease in Arizona. So then figuring out how to get out of that. So the initial, like, I would say it was like 24 hours, 36 hours where I was just dealing with the logistics of housing, housing in Arizona, housing in um Cincinnati. We lucked out, had a great realtor in Cincinnati who we gave her a week's notice and she furnished and got an entire place ready to go for him. Mm-hmm. He's a saint. Shout uh, her out. Shout her out on the pod. Heather, Heather Pilcher. If you're yes, ever Mama. in Kentucky, yeah, Kentucky yeah. or Cincinnati and you need somewhere to live, this woman's legit. Yeah. Um, she, she was a lifesaver. So got everything set up there. And then we realized that, or Trevor realized his truck, we couldn't get it shipped in time because usually when a player, you know, for spring training or when they go back to their home city, you set it up in advance and you have a company, right, ship out their truck for them and usually, or their car or whatever. Because you know when baseball would be starting. Exactly. You you plan for this. Yeah. Um, We didn't really plan for this one. So he realized he was like, okay, I'm going to have to just drive out cross country. Um, asked if I would go with him and help him, um, and just kind of move everything out. And that way he had some, he had work for his businesses that he needed to get done. And so driving cross country, you know, if he had someone else to drive some of the time, it would help him. So, 
I agreed to do that like a very nice person and we we stopped some cool places along the way but got to Rachel Cincinnati. took some fire Instagram photos I am not even kidding I was like all excited because I was in, like Carmel Valley which you weren't per usual that's my home yeah. yeah we are literally never in the same spot at the same time but I was like all excited like I might have like, like a nice hat on taking photos and look at Rachel's Instagram I'm, like damn it oh when I get to that's travel right. yeah I've got I, I can get some cool photos. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's my, one of my favorite parts, but, um, actually mid road trip, we found out, uh, that a player who we were actually, we had a business meeting with him in Arizona shortly before we found out he, he gave us a call and let us know he tested positive for Corona. Uh, oh. so we kind of panicked a little bit had to go get rushed to get um, our tests done to make sure and find out whether we had it. Luckily came back um, negative. So we were in the clear, but there was a whole bunch of, you know, panic kind of surrounding that part. And then getting to Cincinnati finally uh, helped Trevor move in, just helped like the logistics of figuring out the whole, I mean, you'll know, I'm guessing you know about this part of it too, but just all the initial testing procedures Mm -hmm. that they had to go through. Um, They had, you know, phone calls. They had, you know, going over all the procedures. Um, It was just like, there was just a lot thrown on you, thrown on your players in a week. And now it's finally like, okay, baseball's back, but it's weird. Right. And it, and it's, I, and, and that's the best word. That's the word I've been using throughout the entire, you know, off season hiatus, whatever you want to call it. And yeah, my phone was blowing up with um, wives who were like, Hey, are there any hotels open in the Bay area? And the next thing, you know, like I'm looking up hotels and stuff just to help them out because their rentals wouldn't be ready. Yeah. Right? And, and stuff like that. So it was just, I had to play I was no, no longer a reporter. I was just trying to be a friend to some right. of these people, making sure they find a spot. And nothing's open right now, especially in the in the Bay Area, because yeah. we were like the first people to be hit with everything. So nothing's going to be open, especially hotels. So I had a, there was actually a wife that I'm good friends with who was messaging me and she was asking about if I had any information on what was going to happen in, in terms of her husband is in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And because I guess, you know, Canada has different laws and rules and regulations in terms of travel so the it's different than if you play in the United States right so they actually were figuring trying to figure out look do we plan to stay in Florida do we plan to stay to go to Toronto very different weather you know because or they were going to pack they had to move um I think they were in a different part of Florida but trying to figure that part out didn't know what to do and turns out then at the last minute they find out like okay we can't even go family can't go so just a lot of a lot of uncertainty and it's it's weird for families too right now because I don't think they can't travel like the normal yeah the normal way that families travel during the season and they're with their husbands it's it's different yeah and it's it's so weird because like that, that that's what the thing was is like we, we got so caught up in the back and forth between the owners and the players association that like we were like there's no way in hell baseball is going to happen I really Rachel I'm shocked things actually happened and it was every day was different right and that was from the beginning of, of just 
the coronavirus period. So I we knew it would happen. I knew I I we made a video, Trevor and I made a video back in April and where we said there will be a 60 game season. And I was pretty sure about that. So to be fair, I was getting to the point where I was like, okay, there's going to be a season, but you're still not thinking about the logistics of everything. Right. And you know, what, what are you actually going to do when there's a season? You're just figuring out like, you know, how's this going to happen? How's the drama going to play out? Yeah. And, and, and it's weird because it just feels like every day, just like in a different emotion. Right. And you know, from the media side, I'm like, how the hell are we going to cover this? And I'm because th- they have different tiers, right? Tier one, those are the players, right, yeah. uh, coaches, like the important people. I don't know what tier two is. I'm assuming like staff, like trainers and stuff. Yeah. I'm a tier three-er, which is media. And I was shocked that, that we're even getting access. Um, and so I, I got, you know, I got credentialed and everything. I haven't been to the field yet only because it's a mixture of I don't think I'm needed quite yet. And the guys are already available for us via Zoom. So like, I don't need to be there if they're going to automatically be all ready for us after their workouts. And I'm also kind of a little freaked out, not going to lie, because like I haven't, I don't know. I don't know, you know, but the, the, the beauty, the beautiful part is all the A's players have told not only us and the media, but everybody that the A's are going above and beyond. And we have Jake Diekman on the team who is essentially, he has a, a, a bigger chance of pretty much dying from this. Yeah. And, and so he said he was very frustrated with the testing situation and um, he had every right to be. And it's funny because I talked to his wife and she said that she, she was actually kind of shocked like how open he was about it. And I've only talked to Deekman maybe a few times and I was kind of shocked at how open he was but I, I'm glad he was. And then you have somebody like Bob Melvin, who is his manager, who has everybody's back in this stuff. He had Bruce Maxwell's back when he took a knee and everything like that. So it's really cool to see from that perspective. So we're all sitting on Zoom, listening to Jake just like pour his heart out and be freaked out. Like, why is there so much delay in this testing? I'll get, I'll get that second one. And, and it's just interesting from that perspective. So for me, as a member of the media, for the, and I've always looked at them as humans, but even more so, I forget that they're baseball players at this time. Like not even a little bit of, I'm like, oh, that's right. Like they play a sport because of the fact of all the stuff that's going on and how my coverage is just going to be so, so different. Like I, and I don't even know how to, how to describe it, but it's just weird. I mean, we were reading all these things and they're definitely taking care of us. I will tell, tell that much, but like how we're going to watch the games, the actual games, I will be at the actual games, but I can't take my seventh inning stretch, walk around the concourse like I like to. I can't, but but I think we're going to have some fun. I really want to walk up. This is the thing that I'm really excited about. I want to walk up to some trolls that like talk a lot of shit about me on social media. And if they have the fake fans, like their cardboard cutouts, I want to like, like, like wait for like a comment. I'm like, oh, weird. You talk a lot of shit on Twitter, but like you're quiet now. Like I'm really looking forward to that. So, oh, I am very much, uh, looking forward to seeing the content that comes from that. Mm-hmm. That's uh And you'll like this. Um, the Giants reached out and they wanted a cardboard cutout of me for the press box. So you will be seeing me at Oracle Park. I love that. I, love I want that. them to sit me next to Jimmy Garoppolo, but I don't think they're going to do that. You could always ask. You're like, oh, so like the press like covers where Jimmy is, right? Because I think that, that I just want to get like a real feel for the game. 
Yeah. And kind all of that. Like, you know, see how um, look next to each other. Yeah. I mean, I just want to, you know, fill it out and make my friends jealous. Um, it's fine. Um, so it's just going to be a weird season, but we're, we're making, we're making headway and it just feels like, it's just weird. There's so much unknown. And I feel like that's what people need to understand is when people are asking questions, things are changing every day. Like, especially the delays with everything going on. Yeah. Jake made a good point. Like if they're like on the road and they're doing these tests, what? And even the giants today, I mean, you saw that they were cleared to play, but that was from July 4th testing. Like it's got to get quicker. So it's interesting. Cause so for the players, the way they have it set up, they, ha- they get um, notification on their phone. There's a whole system they have downloaded for to submit their, their testing and their results. And they have their own thermometers that they bring home um, every day before they go to the ballpark, they have to take their temperature. They have to do like a whole slew of things, respond to questions on the app. And if they do not do that every morning before going to the ballpark, they're basically, they are banned. They're stopped from even going inside and mm-hmm. they're strict about it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, there's just so much to think about now. And do you I think, think it's like, going to alter the actual game itself? I know it will, but like, will it be like, oh, arriving at the game, you have, you're like forgetting baseball is even going to be happening. Exactly. Cause you're so worried about everything else. And then there's just so many things. And here's the, the reality is I truly believe that a lot of the new regulations that are being put in place, especially in terms of, let's say, you know, there's no spitting there's when you're on the mound, you have to use a wet rag or something, that kind of stuff. I really believe that unfortunately it's not going to be followed. And I, I mean, you would like to think, but, and I don't think that it's, it's out of just a lack of care on the player's end. I just think it's like when you're in the moment, these players, they're so focused on, they know what they have to do and they think about just playing baseball. And so when they're trying to do that and now they have to think about all these other things and, oh shoot, like these things that they're used to just like licking their fingers before throwing a pitch. Now they've got to go to a rag. They're not going to remember it. And so I just think, unfortunately, every player is going to revert back to playing the game the way they know how and that it's muscle memory, you know, that this is what they do. And so a lot of these things I think aren't going to necessarily be followed and it's going to be an interesting kind of, I don't know, environment. We're literally both former athletes. Like, could you imagine like in the middle of what we're used to doing, they'd be like, oh, you can't do this. And you're like, well, I don't know how to not do it. Like even I remember playing powder puff and yelling at one of my best friends who was a coach for the juniors when I was a senior. And he's like, you just told me to F off. I'm like, I'm so, did I, I don't know. Yeah. They're saying when you're competing, yeah, there are things, it's just everything you're on autopilot. That's one of the things like training, right. is very different yeah. because you're, you, you use your brain a lot more and you're thinking about things and analyzing how you're doing stuff. But then when, when you're competing, when it's game time, you're on autopilot. Usually you just kind of know you go through the, the motions. Like you're not thinking about the little things you're just thinking about executing. And so there's a lot of these new rules that I think are going to be difficult to follow and, and again like they're going to be very lenient about them because I know they mentioned like you know it's subject to fines and probably even being you know taken out and stuff like that and I just don't I don't see that happening like I know obviously covering the A's most time we talk about the Bash Brothers like the elbow stuff and like that's great but like imagine 
a walk-off home run. What do you, like, there's no way in hell you're going to tell a guy, no, 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 be careful, be careful. You don't want to blah, blah, blah. And like, obviously we know these guys are safe because they're getting tested and everything like that. But still like, that just takes the fun out of it. And I was like, as I was writing about like all the little, the different things that are happening, like the DH and even like that runner on third or the runner on second, I'm like, okay, we're back to little league rules. Cool. Like, that's great. So it's just like, a, it's, a, it's a bunch of weird stuff. And we have a, we have a special guest coming on. I'm going to be curious about what he has to say about what we have, you know, I don't even know. It's just going to be a lot. And I, I know they all understand it, but for the most part, a lot of the players from what what they're telling me is just like, at the end of the day, like the game, they're not too concerned about. It's just, they want to be safe. And you know, the testing is a big issue. So well, the, they even have like, you have guys like Freeman who he's healthy. He's been called that out the other day. He was like, has anybody checked on him? Because Marcakis was like, oh, he opted out. That's so if you're going to call him and Deakman was like, does it, did anybody check on him? Like I heard he was bad. If you make Marcakis who is on the verge of retirement opt out, like, come on. That's, that's the thing is that, you know, I, you got guys like Deakman, you have guys, you know, like David Dahl, they're high risk players. Yeah, absolutely. But, but then you see guys like Freeman go, go down. And I mean, they're, he's, this isn't just like, you know, quarantine because I've talked to plenty of players that have it or have had it. And, you know, they're like, I don't really have any symptoms. It's just kind of a bummer, yeah. but you know, they're following protocol and they're quarantining and it is what it is, but you have a world-class athlete that is, I mean, he's hurting and that's kind of scary because you don't know how, it, who it's going to affect, how it's going to affect them. And that's just something I think in the back of these players' minds, every time they go out there, every time they're around, you know, ballpark, you know, the ballpark staff, there's a lot of ballpark staff that are older. And, right. you know, what happens when, you know, think about it. What if God forbid, you know, somehow they were, they had it and passed it on to someone who was a ballpark staff member who wasn't as fortunate, you know, maybe a little bit older and yeah. more susceptible to, you know, really, um, you know, feeling the side effects or, you know, yeah, even dying. I'm glad you brought that up. That's super important to think about. And, you know, it's, and these players are humans. Like they, they feel these things. They care. They definitely do. I mean, look how outspoken Sean Doolittle is like Aaron had to move out of their like he, she had to move out because she's susceptible to like extra susceptible and and she was very you know obviously ama- she was amazing about it but and ugh, I don't know it's and I'm hoping they all understand that and you know we can't have sports if people aren't adhering to these guidelines and whatever and here's the thing that sucks at the end of the day we don't know how what this how this is going to play out because this is just what's that word, the unprecedented time. And I wrote, I've written that in every single article over the last three months. And it's just, and it's true. We have no idea. And so here's the thing, we're going to kind of go into the next thing. And it was going to be a bet on whether we're going to have, let's make it sweeter. Are we going to play 60 games? But before we do the, the bet itself, the reason why there's that question is, you know, players are testing positive and, but how many players need to test positive in order for us to continue or not have a season? So I was right there with you. Like I, I knew there was going to be some something would happen this season. I, I couldn't actually, let me rephrase. I didn't 
I wasn't hundred percent confident certain days that a season would happen. And that was only because of the way that the, the back and forth was happening. But now that it's happening, are we going to have 60 games? I don't know. I think we are. Okay. I, I think we are. And I, you know, you already hear, to be honest, I personally believe there are going to be ballparks that have fans by the end of the season. Really? And I think we're going to have a slew of players that test positive. And I think they're just going to bring in, um, replacing you think they're going to be open about that though. Like they're like, they're positive and they're still. No. So, I mean, and from the way I well, so from the way I understand it too, that they are prohibited from release, releasing names of anyone once right. the season starts. Right. So I think it's going to be, you know, obviously kept on the DL, right. but. Or the IL. Yeah. No pun intended. Yeah. Um, but I do think, look, once they start making some money, I think, you know, and owners, they want to get to that postseason and they want to have playoffs. I think you're going to see, I think that you're going to see fans and I think you're going to see a full 60 games and whether that's the safe thing to do is a whole nother, you know, topic right. for discussion. But yeah, I, I, I really do. Do you think there'll be baseball? I think there's going to be baseball for sure. I, I cannot hundred percent confidently say that there will be 60 games. I, I, I don't, I can't confidently say that. And I feel like, because they're like, I'm thinking about traveling and, you know, I was looking at the schedule and like how much these, like the A's are barely going to leave California during the regular season, which is great. We have the taxi squad and they're kind of on doing what they need to do. But even Jorge Mateo, he just tested positive. And we're like, how did that, like, when did that happen? Because he was just with the A's and he traveled and all of a sudden, like he's got, it just, it's so it's that stuff can happen so quickly. And, and you're right. We also don't know the virus enough to know yeah, they're, they're in shape athletes, but like, but they're staying in hotels too. They're like, and you know, they're going to limit as much as they can. There's, you know, regulations about, they can't take the elevators. They can't, you know, they've got to be on the first or second story. They can't, you know, eat in um, the restaurants and hotels. And it's very restricted, but you're traveling. Anything could happen. And all it takes is one player to get it. And they don't, they're not going to test positive right away. They give it to other players. And what do you do when, you know, 15 of your guys test positive and they might not have symptoms either, but you can't let them play. So how do you even play? How do you have a team? No. And it's a, it's a great thing to think about. And I'm, and I'm glad we kind of put it out there that way. We weren't like stupid about it and naive, like Rachel and I know this is happening. We don't want people to think that we are like, let's have a baseball season, screw everything. Like we know this is an actual thing. Like we're not going to be stupid about it, but we also know how people don't give a shit and they still want to make money and they will put those boys out there, unfortunately, to have a season, both good and bad. I love baseball more than anything, but I love life more, you know? So it's, so it's interesting. And I'm kind of, I'm really glad that we had this discussion because I don't want our listeners to think, oh, they don't give a shit. We definitely give a shit because we love the players and we of course love their wives and, and we, and I love the media people and I love the fact that I have this career and I would hate for anything to happen, you know, to anything. Um, well, we, we really got into it. Um, but we're going to liven things up because we're going to go through our DMS and our, uh, yes. and, and so the, the reason why we want to do this is to bring in awareness because like these guys would never, th- these things would never happen to us if we were not women. So 
we didn't we haven't done this in the last couple of episodes i think we've just been kind of like going ham but we have some good ones especially because they've commented on our recent our recent uh videos yeah so why don't you go first rachel you want me to read the the youtube one first We're gonna read the youtube one which I, I feel very honored and rachel and i know YouTube commenters are the worst, but I was kind of lucky and, and excited to know that I we were both talked about in one comment together. So, mm-hmm. so this one uh, was from uh, a fan who left us a comment, I guess a little background. This was on the steroid um, conversation we had in one of the podcasts with Jared Carabas from Barstool Sports. And we talked about how there w- there's something to be said, right, about steroids and what they did for the home runs and with the game and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so, I, said, I said, let's talk drugs. And I love steroids. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And then this person uh, left us a comment um, saying this. Sorry, ladies, but endorsing steroids is very wrong. If you played sports, you'd know how awful and destructive they are for both the game and the athletes themselves, both mentally and physically. And I, so he went at saying, like, if you'd play sports, thinking you that you never sports. played sports. Right, right, right. Right. This was, yeah, the part, oh, that's that's part I, loved, I, I love that part because as, you know, an elite level gymnast for 20 years. Um, elite. I, uh, yes, I don't, I've never played sports. I know nothing about it. And that's not the first time I've ever had, and I'm sure you have too, men have commented to me, have I ever, if you played sports or, you know, it's hard for you to understand because you're, you weren't ever an athlete. And I'm so confused by that because I think there's just, I want to say, since they don't know who I, they don't know who I am. It's not like they just think I'm, I just, they know me and they, I don't know, they think I'm not an athlete. I think they just assume because I'm a girl that girls can't be athletes. And like, I I guarantee I was more of an athlete than this guy has ever been. And here's the thing. When I'm sitting in a press box, I look to the left, definitely not a fucking athlete. Definitely not a fucking athlete. To the right, Susan Slusser, who could probably kick my ass. Everybody else, definitely not a fucking athlete. But I'm like, but they're covering the game. Would you walk up to that man and tell him the, the thing you just told me? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. So it's like, it's, if you, okay, first of all, I know what steroids do to the body. I was very, I made the first article yeah. I ever wrote when I was in high school, I, I dug deep and, and I, and it's fuck, it fucks with your body. I understand that. However, these guys don't give a shit when they put it in their body. They just want to hit bombs. They, they know what it does to their body. They're not stupid. And they know there's, there's tons of reading material out there. They know the right thing. They even like research the guys who tried to, to, to get away with it. They research how to get it out of their body too. So they've done the research. They're not stupid. So don't come at me saying like, if you would know, like, first of all, even if I wasn't an athlete, I would be hard to figure that out. I mean, to be Google, fair, Google that shit. I figure it out. <laughs> to be fair, I think he just read the title. Um, and so he left an ignorant comment thinking, you know, because I think the title was something like we love drugs or steroids are good. I don't know. Or he just did not listen to the entire thing, which is his fault. Okay. But- this as a journalist, read the fucking link, read the article, click the fucking link, listen to it. Then come at me, hate me after that. 
but, but before you even like know what I'm saying, because here's the thing, we love SEO. As journalists, we love SEO. It's whatever is clickable. Even when I talked to Trevor, like some, like even the headline wasn't a hundred percent we met, we know people were going to click it. It is what it is. It's a headline thing. It's not necessarily clickbait with all, all the type of stuff, but it's also not, not clickbait. So there it is. Either way, I don't care what his point was and whether it was valid or not based on that video that we made. Don't tell us like, you know, talk down to us like, oh, if you played sports, you would know because I guarantee you I'm more of an athlete even right now than, than you are. But yeah, like, I'm like, it's actually kind of, I'm like scared to ever like go up against Rachel. I'm so glad I'm on her good side. Like seriously, it's, it's good times. Yeah. Um, here's mine. So this one's funny because I feel like we're going to be able to like mention him every single week because Love that. yeah, he, <laughs> he's been messaging me. I only cropped out his last four, but he's been messaging me since I don't even know five years now. And so this was last year. He's like, let's go. I don't remember if it was like baseball. I think the A's did really well. And he said, God, I love you. I didn't respond. <laughs> and then he goes, we should seriously consider getting married. Didn't respond. So this was last October. This last message he sent, I think it was end of June. He goes, are you taken yet? And he, he just talks to himself the entire time. That's sweet. He likes it's very sweet. So maybe, maybe, I don't know. We'll see. Well, there could be a future there for there you. There could be a future there. We can read those in the vows when you give your vows. Here's the thing. Ask Rachel where her, where her and I met. DMs. The DMs. It, it, that, that's how it happens. So it's. Yeah, it, goes, it literally goes down in the DMs. Yeah. Um, all right. So I have, I have, I have two more. I'll read you. One is, one is quick. Um, Somebody just left me a DM to let me know that I am destroying baseball, period. So I'm flattered that I have that much power in the sport. Um, Damn, Rachel, that's amazing. I don't know. I think it was a video I put out um, talking about, not even sure, something probably about, you know, whether we're going to start season again, but. Oh, I think I actually saw that. Yeah. There was a, you're destroying baseball, period. Yeah. Yeah. Left me. Yeah. So that, that was sweet. Um, I'm. That's really cool that, that I have the power to destroy baseball. This girl right here, yeah. some random girl, can destroy yeah. the game of baseball. Some random girl who, if you if you were an athlete, you would understand, Rachel. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then this was one, this was a this was on Twitter. Um okay. this was a response to me calling out a lot of the men in the industry, not the players, um, just the men that work in the industry for was not after the the Loesch episode? No, uh, okay. it was just regarding, um, it was a tweet I had sent about um, a lot of guys talk, you know, about corrupt things that are happening, yet they will come to me or other people or players to speak about it because the guys don't want to actually speak up themselves. And so I, you know, basically told them that um, they don't have balls. And so this person this guy wanted to let me know in response to that. Uh, he said, I have no doubt that you work hard and do your homework. You'd not be in the position you are in without doing so. And I applaud you for it. But do you think challenging their manhood is the most effective way to convince them to speak their minds? Men want respect, not ridicule. So uh, <laughs> I did respond to him. I said, 
you, uh, I said, you don't get my respect simply because you're a man, you get my respect by earning it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought that one was interesting because he was giving me a lesson on, you know, that I have to respect men, um, and that I shouldn't ridicule them, but you have to respect men. Yeah. That's how I get them to, that's how I get them to do things and encourage them to speak up is I respect them. So um, I love learning things. We, I learned that I have to respect men in order to encourage them to do the right thing. And that if I played sports, I would know steroids are bad. These are all the things as women we learn. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm glad he mentioned that because I did not respect men until this very moment. So, I, But now you know. If you now want I know to, to respect me. men. I will respect men. And I love men. Let's, I do too. Put that out there. I feel like, like even like feminism is, feminism doesn't mean we're, anti-men were just pro everyone and I feel like that's that's what's important here and it's it's one of those things like I think you know that's a that's a whole nother we her Rachel and I always have like a post-game interview after this but she can't tonight but that's the thing that we would talk about in a post-game interview um yeah that's here's the thing speaking of respecting men it's hard to when they send shit like this so we have the cardboard cutout fans for um, Oakland A's, the Giants, and I believe the Mets so far. So I put that out there for the A's. I tweeted it out and somebody said, I'm, ar- <laughs> I'm arranging to have a cardboard cutout placed in section 69. That's not an actual section in Oakland. At the Oakland Coliseum. <laughs> Want to sit with me? <laughs> I mean... That guy's got some balls. Honestly, I was like, Rachel's going to love this. Um, yeah, so there's, there is that. Um, but no, I, will, I do not want to sit with you in section 69 at the Coliseum. <laughs> because we won't be allowed to sit there. So <laughs> I have a real section. Come on. Come up with a better date. The A's themselves told me that it's not a good section. This one I'm really excited about, though, because it has to do with this person tracked me down after our steroid YouTube video on momentum. And um, I was talking about being a purist in baseball and um, somebody responded, they say, cause I, it was an interview. Like I went on someplace and I talked about how I'm a purist and like, I, I think the steroid era was very good. And so they, his name's Sean Echoes, Sean with a W, like how hipster. Um, he, he says, she says she is a purist of the game, but is okay with steroid use in MLB. Interesting take. I responded. I said, thanks for tuning in, Sean. Being purists means you adhere to traditions. The steroid era, which I capitalized because it deserves some respect, as well as PEDs, also capitalized, were part of the tradition that was baseball throughout history. So was sign stealing and cheating. It was a very interesting take. You're right on that. But it certainly was not an incorrect one. So this dude listened to our podcast on Momentum, had to track me down and find me on this interview and tell me that. Come on, Sean. We get it. You have a W in your name, but that doesn't mean you earned a W. You got an L on that one. Nice try. I know what purist means. Look it up. Stop it. That was a good one. Thank you. Mm Mm-hmm. You bring out the best to me. Like I said, you're the Sammy Sosa to my Mark McGuire. Um, I'm glad we did the, the sliding of the DMs. I felt like that was very important. And I feel like we informed a lot of people what was going on. But we also need to tell people, like, there's, there's so much unknown in what's happening. And people come to you and myself, 
probably you way more because I don't know what the fuck's going on. And, you know, like as a resource, and that's tough because I know you're an agent, but you just described you were doing all these logistics, like you were taking care of housing situations. And I saw you, you talking about that, saying that you have to find people who understand that. And, and Deakman went through it too. Like their landlord took care of everything and all, all that stuff. But and there it, are some that don't, by the way. Yeah. Like that is, it's rare to find those. Most will tell you like, oh, you're shit out of luck. You know, like you owe us for all this previous rent that you weren't here for and you know we don't have a spot for you now or you know whatever it is like it's it's hard to find people that people forget about yeah like just to live like these guys have to live and it sucks that like because they move like how many other people move around like that you you know everyone understands like the the corona i everyone will tell us like you know we're all dealing with stuff with the coronavirus and absolutely i will not take that away from you but that doesn't mean not everybody and this happens with trades too not everybody at least you know twice a year has to move and find different housing in in different states and different cities and that sometimes at the drop of the dime if they get traded it's not an easy you know life for players you know for families um you know people who work for them it's tough yeah so i hope we can if anything we take away from tonight it's it was it was a mess it was a shit show like trevor ploof said in our last Mm -hmm. episode it was like it is a shit show it's a mess and the fact that these guys have to go out and play after everything that had happened and they had to hop in a car like two days later and be on the road. And, and it's, I hate when people look at that and like, Oh, you have millions of dollars. Like deal with, they, they, first of all, sure. Yeah. Second of all, they don't all have millions of dollars. The guys that opted majority, out, sure. A majority of players, a majority, like let's yeah let that sink in. A majority of players are making under a million dollars yeah a year that's not millions so am i and i'm sh- you know it sucks <laughs> i know I- i'm always i'm always like you know fighting for these guys contracts and you know like oh you got screwed and only got this this many millions and i'm like wow that would be so nice though if it right that's why i will never tell rachel how much i make a year because she would walk into nbc and be like um no. do better NBC <laughs> how dare you um all right well I think that's all we have for tonight this was like really fun like I felt like it was a mixture of I'm glad we informed the people of what was going on because I mean not gonna lie it's just been it's been a lot and even heading into the to the taping of this it was like I had so much happening and everything like that and it was just like but I think that's what's important is to show that it's just non-stop and none of us are prepared for this no yeah it's all just kind of we're all winging it right now i I have a feeling it's what we're going to be doing all season you know how mlb always has like a hashtag for the the season i feel like that should be the hashtag winging it winging it because we don't know yeah literally we really don't well it was always it's always lovely to hang out with you likewise love you well, we're here with Mike Yastrzemski. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. How's and this is Jessica Kleinschmidt and Rachel Luba? How's the uh, weather where you're at? Uh, it's perfect. We're in San Francisco right now, so it's been 70 and sunny for the past eight days. So definitely can't complain about that so far. Yeah, I'm more East Bay, so I'm like dying of heat right now. So I'm <laughs> glad you're getting some of the the coolness because that's. It's nice to travel uh, more toward the coast and everything. Um, but yeah, you're in San Francisco right now, and there's, we're having a 60-game season ahead of us. And you had a very successful season last year. 
So what's your mentality heading into such a shortened season this time around? Um, kind of going back to college days, honestly, because when you've been in college, it was 58-game season, and you had to figure out a way to get going right from the start. So just kind of going backwards, which is usually the opposite way you want to go instead of trying to go forwards. It's looking back and reflecting on how we were able to produce numbers or have success in a short time. So um, might be watching some Vandy highlights here soon. Well, it's funny you mentioned Vandy. Rachel's brother actually went to Vandy. My, yeah, my youngest brother graduated, I think two years ago now. Um, so yeah, he was, he was a Vandy guy. And um, so I'm a big, big Vandy fan. Awesome. And you guys produce a lot of, you know, great baseball players too there. Yeah, you have you, you have Tony Kemp, Sonny Gray, David Price. What's in the sauce? And can you like order it on Amazon? What produces uh, all these Vanderbilt players? I, I wish you could. Uh, I would order some more and kind of re revamp myself in certain ways. But um, it all comes from Coach Corbin. He's yeah. uh, an unbelievable leader. And the way that he runs his program is, is family first. And so you start to really buy into that and you become really close with your, your teammates and they become brothers. And you just, when you have that sort of feel, then you end up playing harder and end up having more success because of it. You guys, you guys have a really strong alumni kind of network as well, right? Yeah. Everybody stays in touch um, and everybody works out. Actually, Trevor came down for a day and uh, we all worked out together and then grabbed lunch right after. So it's like, Anybody who has played with someone from Vandy is welcome into the club and come and work out and share their experiences. And it's a, it's a good network down there. Yeah. You guys, you guys have been awesome. I actually was helping, I was helping Bauer uh, drive out to Cincinnati um, uh, like a week or two ago. And we stopped in Nashville along the way and he ended up, he called up the, one of the coaches there, asked if there was anyone around the area who wanted to play catch with him. And so, you know, they set it up and he played catch with one of the guys they just drafted. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, all the, uh, all those guys are just like super helpful and everyone's so well connected yeah. down there. And it's, it's just like a open door policy. As long as you leave everything better than it was when you got there, then you're welcome. Yeah. Um, now you're, you have to hit at Oracle park a big chunk of time and, I asked you a few months back, right, heading into the season with Alex Pavlovich, and you didn't have to really adjust hitting at Oracle, and you said it was because a lot of the stuff that you did at Vandy, and it was a weird field. So what was it like hitting there, and how did that help with that transition? Um, well, Vandy's got that huge left field wall, uh, kind of like Fenway does. And, you know, when, when it gets really humid down there, the ball doesn't travel well. And so you kind of get used to these things. And then going from Vandy, I ended up in Norfolk, which is – by far the worst place to hit on the face of the earth. Like it's the wind's always blowing in. You think you kill a ball and it just goes nowhere. And so you're like defeated before you even show up to the field. And so to show up there for three straight years and then to come to Oracle and everyone's like, Oh, this place is tough to hit. And I was like, I, I don't care. It's better than what I've been in. So. Yeah. And your first at bat wasn't great when you got your big league call up, but like the Giants fans were still cheering you on. They like fell in love with you instantly. It was so weird. Like <laughs> I, <laughs> I thought about that to myself. I was like walking back to the dugout and I'm like, okay, people are clapping. That's weird. And like, I tried not to smile, but I was like, like I'll, I'll take striking out in the big leagues over hitting a homer in the minor leagues. So I like kind of like chuckled to myself and had like a good moment there where it wasn't like defeating. I was like, 
I just struck out in the big leagues. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, that's something I will never be able to do. So that's yeah. kind of wonderful. And so what, what's it like been playing with the Giants? I felt like obviously you had a long road in the minors and everything like that, and you kind of plopped up. And I can personally tell you the Giants fans love you, and I'm telling all the Orioles fans like they cannot have you back. But what <laughs> has it been like? I feel like they embraced you so quickly. Yeah, they did. Um, that's kind of just part of San Francisco, I feel like, is that people love baseball here. And there's such a rich history of championships and success that anybody who comes up and can help the team win, they're going to love. Um, and I was lucky enough to be in a position to try and help as much as I possibly could last year. And they just embrace their own players with open arms and welcome you and will do anything they can to help you have the confidence to succeed. What's it like playing for Gabe Kapler? I feel like he doesn't skip leg day. Like he is just. <laughs> he doesn't skip any day. Any of the days. I'm like, I'm intimidated when I'm around him. What are you, what, when you first met him, what was that? Like, I think he came and visited y'all in Boston, like yeah. right after he got the job. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, he, he reminds me of Corbs in that sense where he, he puts you first. Like he's going to step into the fire before he ever asks anybody else to go in. And when you have somebody who's that committed to creating relationships and a commitment to an organization and wanting to make it better, then you don't, you don't have any other option, but to follow along and to be able to play for someone who's that committed and that determined to finding success, then it just makes your job a lot easier. And it makes it a lot more fun too, honestly. Yeah, he's great. Do you have anything else, Rachel? Are you going to, you guys can t- keep talking about Vandy and leave me out of the loop on that because I <laughs> cannot relate. Had you, when was the last time you went down there? To Vanderbilt? Yeah. Was when um, you drove to Cincinnati? Yeah, so I was just there last week. Um, I think it was last, yeah. A little, when, a little different like, in these times. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a little different. Um, but I would spend, um, I used to work and I lived down in Manhattan. Um, when I worked for the MLBPA, so my brother was still in school then, um, and I'd go visit him on weekends and stuff, and we'd go, we'd go watch some games and tear up Broadway uh, a little bit. Yeah, Broadway's Broadway's great. Um, it's super chaotic, but how much do you guys hang out, like actually on Broadway and stuff when you're like at Vandy? Uh, not a whole lot. Like when we were when we were at Vandy, it was a lot easier during our time because there were no lines or anything. So like you could just walk downtown and walk into any bar. Like you didn't need an ID. You could just kind of go really? and watch live music. Yeah. It, w- it wasn't a big city. And so it wasn't, there was no like nothing wrong with just walking into any bar that you could. So there we were, weren't a lot of bachelorette parties going on. No, there were, yeah. there were not. That's, <laughs> the, that's like a weird thing. Like I feel like I've been at Vandy for so long and in the Nashville area for what it's been almost 11 years now and I've seen it change so much so I can't imagine how people who have been there for 30 years feel like they're all right get all these bachelorette parties out of here like I'm sick of seeing every possible moving bar that you can have um but it's been great for the city you know it's been blown up so much and it's so cool to to have to be in like a almost a tourist area now which is it's neat I love the the live music is just having it everywhere because it's hard to find if like bars in other places where you get the live music. I was in, I think it was when the Red Sox won the world series game seven, uh, was it game seven or game five? Yeah. Um, 
uh, when whatever when they ended up clinching like in winning um I was in on Broadway at one of the bars and then I left like right after a little after the game was over and you're walking down Broadway and you can hear every single bar every band is playing Sweet Caroline oh yeah it was, it was really cool well that's that's the coolest thing too is like you you can find any sort of music down there it doesn't have to be just like country like Nashville's got this rap for strictly country music and you can find anything you want there so it's cool to go see like you can go see guys playing live blues or old rock or covers or originals like whatever whatever you want they have so it's uh it's definitely an awesome place to live yeah is it nashville or nashville nashville for me okay for for a lot of the southerners it's nashville yeah it's like, really like, it's see, like i feel like i'm lazy and just like to say wool i don't know yeah it's, uh, it's i've never been kicked out would they would they still embrace me or would they be like you need yeah, to leave of course it's Nashville's like the friendliest place in the world okay. it really that was, is that was the difference between like the culture shock going from New England to going down to Nashville was like oh God. like like you're walking down the street in Boston and you bump shoulders with someone and you're like what like get this guy away from me or you're like so you like wave at someone and they're like I don't know you please stop talking to me and then in Nashville like you'll be in an elevator and you get someone's full life story within 10 minutes of meeting him um so yeah. it's just different you know people are so open down there the more people from Boston need to take a vacation to Nashville, Nashville. and maybe yeah. they'll be nicer. Yeah, maybe. Okay, where's your favorite place to live in terms of just the people? In the South, out on the West Coast, or the East Coast? Because those are very different. Or even the West Coast. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, California, because those are very different, like the people, the personalities. Yeah, um... I actually, I like them all, which is, is such a cop-out, I understand, but um, me and my wife actually love to travel, so like being able to go back and forth to places was huge, yeah. so when we weren't out in San Francisco, like when we should have been, we felt really weird, um, especially like I hadn't had a summer in Nashville ever, really, like because I was always off playing summer ball somewhere, and so it was cool to experience, but it felt really weird. I was like, I should be on the West Coast right now. Um, but uh, I enjoy it all. That's awesome. Well, Mike, you've been phenomenal. Thanks for stopping by. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. It's been great. Yeah. Thanks for yeah, thanks for coming and chatting with us. We appreciate Rachel's it. really glad she got to talk about Vandy. So that's good. Yes. <laughs> Always thanks. glad to talk about Vandy. Yeah, I can tell. You like light up. I think it's amazing. Yeah, love it. Them and my Bruins, I love. So. But She's the UCLA girl. I'm I'm a Bruin, so that's fine. I like I like Bruins. Yeah, there's there's no hate there. He's not a USC guy, so no. we're all good. Really appreciate it, Mike. It means the world. Thanks, guys. It's fun.